scriptures to John chapter 1. Our text this morning is verses 35 through 51. Hear the word of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, uh, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we have opened your word, so I pray that uh, you would uh, work by your Spirit and uh, build our conviction, our faith in the Lord Jesus Help us to be like these disciples who are unable to keep their mouths closed, but um, but tell, tell others to come and see Jesus Christ the Messiah. We ask in His name. Amen. I'm sure you will remember from our study of the book of Acts as we worked through the entire um, book over, what, a year and a half or so, uh, we saw... Week after week, that Christianity is an evangelistic religion. 
The book of Acts would pause at various places and it would report on the growth of the church. It would report on the expansion of the gospel into new areas where the gospel had um, not previously been proclaimed. So for instance, in Acts 2.41, it says, So those who received His word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Later in chapter 2, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In chapter 4, it says, But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. In chapter 6, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And we could go on and on. There's, I think I counted about eight more instances of these reports about the expansion of the gospel. And so it should not surprise us that, um, that we see these reports because Christianity at its heart is an evangelistic religion. Evangelism is in the very DNA of Christianity. Going back to the promises God first made to Abraham, uh, God said to Abraham, In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And it was speaking of the worldwide expansion of the gospel. And when Jesus came to earth, He specifically said that His mission was to seek and to save the lost. In fact, uh, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, He gave the church... Um, in the clearest possible terms, this mission, and you know what that mission is, it's the Great Commission. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here, at the beginning of the 21st century, this evangelistic emphasis and fervor has waned just a bit. Wouldn't you agree? How can we recapture this evangelistic emphasis and fervor? I believe our sermon, uh, rather, I believe our passage this morning will steer us toward an answer. Here's the way this passage that I read is normally preached. John the Baptist directs Andrew to Jesus. Andrew directs Simon Peter to Jesus. Philip directs Nathaniel to Jesus. Therefore, you need to go and do likewise. And so the sermon becomes a badgering session where I badger you to direct people to Jesus Christ. That's a bad approach to the, gospel, uh, to the passage. It ignores the gospel. Here's the way. Here's what I think this passage is saying. Here's my thesis or my proposition for this sermon. Personal conviction is the reason the church has had such an evangelistic emphasis and fervor. Personal conviction is the key factor in recapturing this evangelistic aggressiveness and boldness that was so characteristic of the early church. 
This is what our text teaches us. So let's look at the text. Here in verses 35 through 37, we see John the Baptist. Uh, He's with two of his disciples. Jesus comes walking by. And John the Baptist, consistent with his desire to direct attention away from himself, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, and to direct all the attention to Christ, he cried out as Jesus was walking by, Behold, the Lamb of God. Why did John why did John the Baptist cry out, Behold the Lamb of God? Well it's simple. He was personally convinced that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So he can't be silent. The the best and most glorious thing that has ever happened on earth that the Messiah has come down to earth and the Messiah is standing right in front of Him. And so it wasn't some great struggle for John the Baptist to open his mouth and to testify to Christ being the, the, the Lamb of God. It was... He couldn't resist. The good news was standing right in front of Him. And so immediately, these two disciples that are with John the Baptist, they turned from following Him and began following Jesus. And then Jesus' response is kind of surprising to me. He turned to these two disciples. He says, what are you seeking? And he doesn't seem particularly eager for them to be following him at first glance. But I think what he's doing is he's making them think it through. He wants them to ask themselves, why are they following him? It's a good question. Why are you following Jesus? What are you seeking? What do you expect Jesus to do for you? Well, these two disciples responded to Jesus' question, and they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? In other words, they were saying, we want to spend some time with you. We want to find out for ourselves who you are. So Jesus invited them to, uh, to come and spend the rest of the day with him. Uh, Verse 39 says it was about the tenth hour or about four o'clock in the afternoon. So presumably they stayed with him and they had dinner together. One of these two disciples was Andrew. And Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. So what does Andrew do when he learns and becomes convinced that Jesus is the Messiah? What would you expect him to do? Well, he makes a beeline for his brother. And he says to his brother, We found the Messiah. Look at verse 41. He first, in other words, it was his first priority. He first found his his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. You see that? Andrew is absolutely convinced that Christ is the Messiah. And so this conviction leads him to go find his brother. And he doesn't stop there. He brought his brother to Jesus, verse 42. And then, when when Jesus meets uh, Simon, his response is kind of surprising. He looked at Andrew's brother, he looked at Simon, 
And He said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Then the scene changes. The next day, Jesus decided to leave this uh, area by the, the Jordan River. He, he goes up the Jordan River, up towards uh, the region of Galilee. And when he, arri- when he arrived in Galilee, he found Philip and he said to him, Follow me. I think we should assume that Philip and Jesus had a conversation that's not recorded in the Bible. In fact, I imagine as the conversation uh, progressed, Philip said, as Philip's becoming convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, he says, what should I do? And so we have recorded here, Jesus says, follow me. So Philip is convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. So what does he do? Well, you'd expect that he would, in obedience to Jesus, begin following Jesus. But that's not what he does. Instead, he runs away to find Nathanael. Just like John the Baptist, he sees Jesus and he is constrained to call out, Behold the Lamb of God. Just like Andrew, when he's convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, he runs and finds his brother. And so Andrew, uh, I'm sorry, Philip, is convinced that Jesus is the Messiah and he runs off to find Nathanael. They are constrained to go tell their friends and their relatives. Now here's what's interesting. Here's where this gets a little personal. Andrew and Philip had received no evangelistic training They did not wait to take a course in evangelism. They didn't wait to learn an evangelistic outline. They simply ran and told their loved ones, we have found the Messiah. And they were effective. Al Martin once said, a person shouting uh, from a burning building has a natural eloquence. Can you see the importance of personal conviction in evangelism? If you believe that mankind is as bad as the Bible says we are, and that God is as angry at sin as the Bible says He is, and that Christ has come and provided a way out for us, shouldn't that move us to evangelism? If you believe that there is a heaven and a hell, that there is a wide road and a narrow road, and this wide road or this broad road leads to destruction, and this narrow road leads to life, shouldn't we be open in our mouths to tell people about this? Have these truths lost any of their truthfulness in the 21st century? Was it more true for the early church than it is for us today? It's no less true. We just believe it less. Our failure to place the proper emphasis on evangelism or have the fervor of the early church in regard to evangelism is due primarily to our unbelief. That's why new believers always make such great evangelists. 
They are excited about what Christ has done for them. They are convinced for the first time in their life that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that He loved them enough to die on the cross, that He rose from the grave. And they are convicted that their loved ones need to hear this good news. Where are your convictions? What do you really believe about Christ and the Gospel? Are you convinced of the truthfulness of the Scriptures? How strong are your convictions? Here's how you can know the strength of your convictions. Personal conviction leads to personal initiative. This applies to all life experience. When you see someone have a positive life experience about something, well, they naturally want to tell others, even if it's something silly or inconsequential. You know, we had we had a great meal at a new restaurant, and so we want to tell our friends. We're posting on Facebook on our phones before we even leave the restaurant about how great our meal was, how great this new restaurant is. By the way, last night at Red Robin, I. I had a bonsai burger. They put a pineapple on this hamburger and then put barbecue sauce on it. And I'm telling you, it was good. See how easy that is? My enthusiasm spills over. If you have experienced Christ and His benefits... You cannot sit still. Andrew and Philip could not sit still. They had to tell others. They had to say, We have found the Messiah. And you need to know Him too. Now I do understand that evangelism can be an intimidating task. People are not always nice. Sometimes people ask questions that we don't have the answers to. And oftentimes, people just don't have time to slow down enough to listen to a gospel presentation. And so they can blow you off. I understand evangelism can be very intimidating. Now, I've got some encouragement for you to make evangelism a little less intimidating. Look at verse 46. After Philip had gone and found Nathanael, and he said, We have found Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He is the Messiah whom Moses wrote about. Nathanael said to him, verse 46, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Nathanael's a skeptic. He has one of those awkward questions that we always fear when we're speaking to someone about Christ. One of those questions where we may just not know the answer. And so Philip simply says, Come and see. Come and see for yourself. That's evangelism. Come and see. If you have a friend or a loved one who doesn't know Christ and is highly skeptical of the Christian faith, you can simply say, Well, come and see. This has several applications. You can tell them, Read the Bible for yourself. Read the Gospel of John for yourself. Come and see. I'll pray for you as you read the, the, the Bible. I'll pray that God reveals Himself to you. Read the Bible for yourself. Come and see. Or uh, come to a Bible study. 
with me. Or come to church. Young people, you can say to your friends, come to youth group. Come and see for yourself. You could even say, come and see if we are as bad as your preconceived notions. You can be aggressive without being obnoxious. Simply say, why don't you come with me? Come and see what's so important to me. How hard is that? You don't have to go it alone. You don't have, uh, we don't have the full conversation between Jesus and Simon Peter in verse 42, uh, where Jesus changed his name uh, to Cephas, which means Peter. But we know from Matthew 4 that Jesus went on to tell Simon Peter that he would make him a fisher of men. In other words, what God commands of us, He also supplies. So He's telling Peter, I will make you a fisher of men. He's not saying, go be a fisher of men. He's saying, I will make you a fisher of men. God has called you to be His witness. And so He will go with you as you seek to be His witness. Even if it's to do something as simple as say to your friend, say to your neighbor, say to your relative, even a a complete stranger, come and see. Yesterday, uh, I visited all my neighbors. If you, I've got a bit of a red glow. It's not because um, I've been with uh, the Lord at the front of the tabernacle, nor is it because I was preaching from Genesis 38, if you remember that that sermon. Um, but rather, it was because I visited all 50 homes in our neighborhood. I thought, if I'm going to ask the congregation to stand upon their convictions, then I need to do so as well. And so I visited all my neighbors. Uh, I put in your bulletin a little flyer if you you don't have to, to read it now, but it's in here as an invitation to our Easter services. And that's what I did is I knocked on the door and I said, I'm your neighbor from around the corner. And immediately they warmed up. Well, he's not a Jehovah's Witness. He's not a salesman. And uh, I said, I from Westminster Presbyterian Church, I'd like to invite you to our Easter services. And they warmed up. No one refused it. Everyone uh, warmly received the the little invitations. Just an easy way to simply say, come and see. I wish them a great day and I kept going. If they weren't home, I had a little, little door hanger and just put it on their door. And... Um, and, and kept moving. I want to challenge you to step out in faith, to, come, to, to, to say to people, come and see. We have Easter coming up with all our Easter services, uh, Friday night's Tenebrae, uh, Sunday morning the, the sunrise service with the breakfast following, and then our regular Sunday service. Um, invite someone. Invite many people. Come and see. If you want to invite your neighborhood, 
put it in order and I'll run off as many copies as you need. We've got these little plastic door hangers. But I want to give you that challenge. I want to give you a second challenge. This doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. But if you come to the sunrise service, also come to the second service as well. The choir is helping us worship by, um, by using a cantata. And I think it's just encouraging for everyone. It's encouraging even for the visitors if we have a full service. So next Sunday, make plans uh, regardless of whether you come to the Tenebrae and Sunrise. Really make plans to come to the 11 o'clock service. But this week, pray and invite your friends, invite your neighbors to simply come and see. Christ has called you to be His witness. He will be with you as you go, as we pray together. Almighty God, I pray that You would um, build our conviction, our faith in this glorious Gospel that You have uh, given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us to join with Him, to be His witnesses as we um, direct people to investigate for themselves, to come and see uh, Jesus Christ. We ask this in His name. Amen.